Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I'm here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hello. Hello. And today we are going to be discussing the murder of Michelle O'Keefe. But before we get into that, if you are new here, hello and welcome returning spooksters. Welcome back. We love you all so, so, so much. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at 3 Girls. We also have two Facebook groups. We have our main Facebook group, which is 3 Spooked Girls Official. It's a lot of fun. It's a very safe, positive place with all the creepy shit. And Jessica and I are very active in there. So definitely check that out if Facebook is your thing. And we also have the Spookster Shop, which is basically like our own little store. We have our merch site, which you guys probably mm-hmm. have seen in the link tree and stuff. But this is like extra stuff. So Jess will make certain things. She did like a reading log template thing. I do tarot readings. She does blind date with the book sometimes. And yeah, it's just and then, you know, I do crystals and stuff like that, too. So lots of cool stuff over there. If you would like to check it out. And if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month. Five and up starts video content, which we are going to be bringing back. And also you get your episodes ad-free a day early. So that's always exciting. Oh, and then if you are on TikTok, you can hang out with me over there. My handle is spooky underscore sleuth. I do snippets from episodes. I'll do condensed versions or I'll do shorter cases, TV book recs, all that good stuff. So if that interests you, go and check it out. But with that, I'm going to go ahead and just get us started here. Okay, so I stumbled upon this case when I was looking just for something to watch. And I learned about this through True Crime Daily, which you guys know we love. And this case was like not what I thought it was going to be whatsoever at all. So that was interesting. But Our case revolves around Michelle O'Keefe. As I said earlier, she was 18 years old at the time of her murder. And this is going to be in Southern California. Her parents and people who were friends with her and knew her described her as very lively and down to earth. She just loved living life to the fullest. She was extremely close with both of her parents. And she was extremely smart. She was really good in school. She graduated a year early. 
and went straight to college from there. She really liked math. She did all the way through like calculus in high school. And in college, she was pursuing a computer science degree. When she was also in school, she was a cheerleader. So she was like a very well-rounded individual. And people loved her. They thought she was nice. You know, most of the time, like very stereotypical. Popular kids stick with popular kids. But Michelle's parents said she was not like that. She liked having, you know, diversity in her life. So she was friends with like everybody, basically, from, you know, different cliques didn't matter. She was just a good kid. And with being in college, of course, you know, she would work. And she actually, since she was in Southern California, she did a lot of extra work and she enjoyed it. She said she loved it. She started talking about how maybe she would kind of focus on that in the future because she was interested in becoming an actress. And her parents were like, bet we support you, but let's finish this degree first and then you can go live out your dream type of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, on February 22nd, 2000, Michelle was on the way to Los Angeles with her friend Jennifer Peterson because they were going to be extras in a Kid Rock music video. And fun fact, they were in the very front row because it was set up like a little concert looking type of situation. Mm -hmm. And you can see clips of her like they're literally right up front, right? And with filming and all of that, of course, things can take a long time and extras, they are there forever. They're there for hours and hours. Like, it's really hard work, you know? They're there forever. And it actually ended up going a lot longer than they thought, which wasn't a huge problem, but just kind of pressed Michelle for time. So when they were actually driving to L.A., they she didn't want to drive her car all the way like that far because I think it was like they lived like an hour or so away. Mm -hmm. So they they left her car in a parking lot of a business in Palmdale. And they were like, okay, cool. Let's leave it under like a street light. I'll drop you back off when we get you know, when we get done. Boom. The end. Right. So they wrap up with the music video, and then they head back, and her friend takes her to her car. So they get there at 9.22 p.m., and Michelle was taking a night class, so she had to get changed to go, because obviously she was in, like, concert attire, and she's like, I ain't, I'm not wearing that class. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. You're awkward. <laughs> you show up, and you're like, mm, I'm sorry, these are my party clothes. Right? So her friend dropped her off, watched her get in her car, make sure she got in, locked it, all that good stuff. And she left to go home or whatever she was doing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, shit starts happening really fast after this. So her car, she actually put it in reverse, obviously, to like, you know, back out and leave. And she hit a planter, random, because she's in like a parking lot, and then stopped. And someone shot her in the face and chest a total of four times. The fuck? Yeah. Now, I mentioned that the, her car was in like a parking lot, like a public parking lot, right? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, you know, the place had security guards and stuff. And the security guard on duty was Raymond Jennings. And Raymond, he was prior military. He was an Iraq deployment veteran. He had done, I think, the guard as well. So he had all that background, right? Mm -hmm. That's something to just kind of like pocket a little bit and keep in mind. So anyway, he's a security guard there. According to him, he said he heard a car alarm and gunshots. 
And when he heard the gunshots, he like, you know, took cover because he's not armed. He's just like, you know, he's just a security. Like he's not an armed security guard. He's unarmed. So he has nothing. He stated that he radioed this into his supervisor directly and they were like, all right, let's call 911. Get them there. Right. And when they got there and they found Michelle, she was partially undressed. So automatically, you know, that's going to make them think, was this a sexual assault? And because of being shot, there was blood spatters inside of the vehicle and her autopsy, you know, that would be the cause, her cause of death. Now, what they found interesting was there was no indication of this being a robbery gone wrong because that's kind of like your first thought, right? Oh, I see this girl alone. She was attacked. You know, maybe they were trying to get her purse, but no, literally her purse, her money, that was all there. Her cell phone was missing, but I mean, this is 2000. It's not like cell phones were, you were using a flip phone more than likely, but you know what it's I true. mean? But like valuables that they definitely would have taken were still there. So, of course, they have like nothing to go off of because he was there and it was like they had they had no idea who did this. So they bring him in for what they call a cognitive interview. And basically, it's described as helping a witness to recall the information that had happened. He stated he didn't check her pulse, even though he saw her hand twitching and what looked like a faint pulse. He said he didn't want to disturb the crime scene. And that he didn't think anyone would survive that. But then he later says that he thought she was still alive, which is weird. And this is something that police are like, what the fuck? Especially because he's prior military, you know, they they get taught pretty extensive first aid, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're like, what the fuck? And then, you know, like you can you can watch this on YouTube and stuff if you want to watch the full interview. But some other things, too, that kind of like raised an eyebrow to authorities. They thought it was really sus that when they were talking to him, he started talking about talking about like the trajectory of the shots and the order of the gunshots, which I'm like, that's really not that weird, especially if he is military, because that's like how his brain would work. So I was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I could see both sides on that for that. He said that it looked like the chest shot was first. And then he suggested that maybe that it looked like the rest of the shots after her chest were like as the assailant was backing up type of thing. And then they these detectives and all that automatically jumped to that's weird. This would be something the killer would only know. Right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to play devil's advocate, he's the one that like saw it, too. So, I mean, either way, something I did not like was that he had said, I thought she was a, he didn't say sex worker, but I'm not using the other word. And then it's like, okay, well, what does that have to do with anything? Right. I'm sorry. (laughs) Even if you're a sex worker, it doesn't mean that you should get shot in the face and chest four times. Like, you're still a person. Right. Just because you're a lawyer doesn't make you better than that. No, 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 no. A job is a job. Right. Uh, Yeah. It was just like one of those random clips they had in like the videos I was watching, too. And I was like, I don't know why this is not a positive thing to say. Mm -hmm. But like, I was just kind of like, I don't I don't know. Anyway, I feel like part of that conversation was cut out because I feel like I'm like, why would you just randomly say that? Or you're trying to if the cops are catching on that, they think you're the killer. Yeah. Maybe you're trying to dehumanize the victim. That or justify like why. Right. Yeah. No, no excuses. Yeah. So 
he was actually not the only one there that night when this happened. There was a group of four people who were in a car that was parked in there that were smoking weed and listening to music. And they said, you know, they heard the alarm and then they heard, quote, tapping noises. That's a weird way to describe that, but okay. Now, because they're like, okay, Raymond's being sus as fuck, we need to kind of like look into look into him too. Because at this point, they have no other leads or options, right? So they were able to determine that the murder weapon was a 9mm handgun. They did test his uniform for residue and for gunshot residue and blood. There was none. And he was a gun owner, but he did not own a 9mm. He owned a 38. And they actually found some DNA under Michelle's fingernails, but this did not belong to him either. Interesting. Now, yes. Now, in what I watched with this as well, Michelle's dad is interviewed quite a bit, and he's pretty vocal about the case as well. He had stated early on that he thought Raymond was at least an accomplice because of how he, how much details and all this insight he was giving, which I mean, you know fair to think that that would make sense to be skeptical on this might be the person that, you know, murdered your daughter. And so when authorities were investigating all of this, they had the theory that maybe because he made that sex worker comment, he Mm -hmm. was trying to pick up Michelle and was rejected. So he reacted and shot her. That is kind of their theory. Solid theory. Yeah. So it's kind of like, we're at this point where it's like, okay, is this really a legitimate like theory we have going, even though right now there's no physical evidence? Or is this going to be a case where it's tunnel vision because they are focusing on him so much? Shrug. We shall see. You guys will find out. I already know. <laughs> so the case kind of does crawl as far as progress goes. It will be five years that pass when Raymond is arrested for murder. The reason for this was Michelle's parents decided to file a wrongful death lawsuit against him, as well as the city and the law enforcement office. That makes sense. Yes. This obviously, you know, kind of lit the fire under the law enforcement's ass to investigate and do this. So they make an arrest, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's all based on circumstantial evidence at this point. Now, they do go to trial more than once. They go to trial three times. So at first, it is moved. The trials originally moved to downtown L.A., and the jury could not agree. They could not come to a decision. So he had two mistrials because both of those juries were deadlocked. And then for the third time, they actually moved the trial back to Antelope Valley And while there, he would be found guilty of second-degree murder, and he was sentenced to 40 years to life in prison. And while in court, the prosecution argued that Michelle was alive when Raymond found her, but did not perform CPR for fear of contaminating the crime scene, right? And most of the people that were in the car were not named, but one, the weed people, Mm -hmm. one person was. Her name is Victoria Richardson. She ended up being a witness. And, you know, when she was on the stand, she did mention she was under the influence of weed. And she couldn't tell for sure if Ray or Raymond was spotted before or after the gunshots. So when they got to the third trial, though, they they didn't let her testify at all. 
Makes sense. It's kind of hard yes. to put someone on the stand who openly admits that they're under the influence of something. Exactly. That takes all credibility away. Right. You know? Legal or not, if, if I'm drunk, you know, and it's perfectly legal for me to be drunk, I'm 37, you know, <laughs> and yeah. I see a crime happen because I'm impaired, they may take my statement, but they probably wouldn't put me on the stand. Exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say, like, the thing I find biggest bullshit is the whole not life-saving measures. You know, like, yeah. the whole, like, oh, I didn't want to contaminate the scene, but I thought she was alive. No cop is going to be like, why did you perform CPR on this person? Yeah. They're going to, like, give you a fucking key to the city and make, <laughs> make you a hero if you saved her. Right. Yeah. It's really weird, too, to me. Like, I just kept getting hung up on that, too. And I feel like that's probably something that's stuck in Jerry's mind as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, found guilty of second degree murder and he was sentenced 40 years to life in prison in 2009. Well, enter two men, a dad and a son. They're like lawyers and all that stuff, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. We have Clinton and Jeffrey Ehrlich. And Jeffrey actually becomes Jennings' lawyer. Now, what happened was Clinton, he, he's an adult. It's not like this is a kid doing this. And he's like, he's got like an official, official type of job situation. I can't remember exactly what he does. But anyway, he's randomly surfing online and he saw a Dateline link for this case. And he's like, oh, because it, I think it said something like Iraq veteran found guilty for murder type of thing. So obviously it's going to grab your attention. So mm -hmm. he goes and he watches it and he starts kind of doing some research and looking at documents and stuff he can access online. And he's like, you know what? Something's not sitting right with me about this. I feel like this man did not do this. So he goes to his dad and he brings all this to him. And Jeffrey is actually interviewed in the thing I watched, too. And he said, yeah, Clinton came up to me and was basically like, I think I found an Iraq war vet who was wrongfully convicted. Do you want to try and get him released? Do you want to take this on? And so Jeffrey's like, let's look into this. But as they looked, he looked and he's like, holy shit, there's literally no physical evidence. And they're just going based off of being like, well, it wasn't the stoner, so it had to be him type of situation. So it's just a lot of red flags. So he decided he was going to go ahead and come on board for Raymond, right? Mm-hmm. Now, while they're doing this, something interesting happens. So I find it interesting they don't tell this guy's name. So they call this guy John Doe One. So he was part of the, the group with Victoria. Mm. Now, this guy has a whole long rap sheet of violent crimes. He was a known gang member. Not a good guy with all his stuff he did. And he was known to carry a nine millimeter around with him regularly, which mm. if you guys might remember, that's the same as the murder weapon. And interesting enough, he was convicted of trying to steal a Mustang, which is the same kind of car that Michelle had, in June of 2000. And when he was, you know, having all that going on, when he was picked up, he was wearing an earring that matched the description of the earrings that Michelle wore during her time of death. And wouldn't you know, one was missing. Ew. Show. Ew. Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey and them take this back to court. And Raymond is released after 11 years of false imprisonment. Hmm. 
his sentence was vacated, and all charges were dropped. So that's interesting, right? So they let him out. And what really makes me so mad about this for Michelle's parents, and obviously Michelle herself, Mm -hmm. nothing has come from the John Doe one guy. I'm like, that's pretty fucking odd. Like, you're going to put Raymond away in prison for 11 years for fucking crumbs, if that, just because he's a fucking like, like he didn't freaking help when he should have. But like this guy who has all this other supporting things. Okay. So that's fucking. For me, it's the earring. It's the earring. Yes. Like, to be honest, if the earring wasn't a part of it, it'd also be crumbs. But like. The fact that, like, she's missing an earring that literally disappeared her time of death. Mm -hmm. And then he had the earring. Okay, so this happened in February. Uh And then they found him with the earring in June. So that motherfucker had the earring the whole fucking time. Right. So, like, that's like, that's so gross. Right. Like, no, that's why, like, I made that face. And you were like, oh, no, it was literally like, ew, he fucking had. It's so, it's like when people, it's that trophy taking shit. Yep. It's just like, I get like circumstantial evidence is sucks. Like if that earring wasn't there, both cases would have had circumstantial evidence. But like the problem with this with me Mm -hmm. is that like there are these witnesses and they're not even like brought in for questioning. Exactly. Like they're just pretty much tossed to the side. So I found that very interesting. And it just gave me West Memphis three vibes. Yes. It was like once these law enforcement officers made their decision on who was guilty, that's just what they went with. It's so hard because it's like you want to you want to root for law enforcement when it comes to true crime because you want them to get the bad guys. And I understand that people are human, but like my challenge to law enforcement is be okay being wrong. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's not about your fucking ego. It's about the person whose life was taken and getting justice for them. Be wrong. Be like, yeah, we, we, I I get like why they don't admit it because if they admit that they were wrong, then like, you know, Raymond can go after them because he can sue them. Oh, oh, yeah, Yeah, for sure. He can sue them for like loss of wages, what prison does to his mental health, like all that shit. I mean, like we looked at that in the making of the murderer case Mm -hmm. where that guy got like awarded but never got the millions of dollars or was Mm -hmm. not awarded but like was suing for millions of dollars. Like you can do that. Like if you're false, if you're falsely imprisoned. Right. And I I didn't see anything if he did, but I would assume he probably did. Obviously, if Jeff's a good lawyer, Mm -hmm. because like not only is that over a decade, but like the other thing to include, too, which I obviously didn't mention before, but like he had kids, he had a family, he had a fiance, you know, like he had stuff. So it's like that also causes unimaginable trauma to his children. Right. And it comes down to like one mistake he made. I mean, granted, I went yep. a little hard earlier. I was like, he should have. Oh, no, trust me. That's like, that's the gut reaction is you're like, why the fuck didn't you do anything? You know what right. I mean? But at this, to play devil's advocate, you can't, unless you have been in this experience, you can't know how you're going to react. And I know we say that a lot, but it's just something. Oh, it's true. Yeah. No, no. And I mean, like, that's what it came down to is that these law enforcement guys probably got him in their crowd. Like, he's conveniently there. Mm-hmm. He's right there. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's helping out and he's just building the case for them. (laughs) Right. And instead of being because like there is that known fact that like a lot of times killers get involved with their case. 
Oh, and yeah, he's over there helping time. out, but he's the only one. And for John Doe number one, of course, Victoria is going to be like, I, I don't know, but like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because obviously they're like all friends and associated if they're all together. <laughs> yeah. Why would she like, why would she snitch on her friend? Especially like, let's put in this into perspective. Let's say she witnessed her friend kill this, this poor girl, right? Mm-hmm. And then be like, shit. I mean, you know, brought up to testify, if I tell on him, I might end up the same way she did. Well, exactly. Especially because you have to think, too, he was gang affiliated. So that could have ended very badly for her, too. I'm not blaming her at all on that. Obviously, we're not going to know the ins and outs on all of that stuff. But definitely agree that, obviously, if she knew something, she wasn't going to tell the truth. So, yeah. So Raymond's out now. Mm -hmm. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, they actually, I didn't realize how recent this video I watched was. It's like a week or two old. But they also, you know, they spoke to his, they had him there. So I'm like, obviously, if he's sitting there in a suit, he he got out or something. You know what I mean? His fiance got on too. And it was just kind of nice to see, like, for her to talk about, like, them, you know, she stayed with him during all of that. They, they've reblended their families together because he has kids, she has kids. Aww. Yeah, and they like they were still engaged and they were actually getting ready to go on like a family vacation because they were getting married soon and he, he was given the ability to get his passport and stuff. I love that for them. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So I just yeah, this sucks, man. Like the fact not only was this man's life just like taken away from him for 11 years. Yeah. But they're not doing anything to like get for this Michelle. John Doe. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is that maybe they're trying. I know that murder is like a, the big fucking one, but maybe they're trying to get him for like a bunch of other shit and they don't want to like. They got to be careful with their opportunity. Yeah. Because like sometimes when I like talk to people who are cops or have been cops, they'll like explain. Sometimes it's like, you know who the person is that you want to arrest. You know, you could get him for like one thing. But like if they're not 100 percent sure, because mm-hmm. like think about it like this. Let me give you a logical explanation of what the fuck could have happened. They obviously were hanging out in that parking lot, right? Let's say they go get high there a lot. They get out and they walk around one day and he sees her earring lying on the ground. He picks it up and keeps it. That's a logical explanation of how mm-hmm. he, he got that earring. Yeah. Now imagine, let's say he kills her. Like, let's say he killed her. Mm-hmm. And he tells that story in court. Right. Yeah. We get high there. I was out walking around one day and I looked down, there was an earring and I picked it up and I liked it. So I kept it and wore it. Mm -hmm. Now in the jury's mind, there is like plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, you can't have something. And I know this sounds fucked up as flimsy as an earring be the reason you arrest someone. Because if it's that simple to explain away that I literally thought about it for 20 seconds and came up with an excuse. I'm really curious about the DNA under her fingernails. See, that's a big see, thing. see, if he has a, re- a rap sheet and he's been arrested, his DNA would be in the system, wouldn't it? What year, right? what year was this again? 2000. Yeah. So, like, CODIS was baby infancy. Yeah. And it, it also depends, like, does he have, you know, was he arrested for a felony? Oh, yeah. He had a long, he had a, he had a list. But, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's so weird to me. I'm just like, I don't understand i don't understand how like in the last 23 years no one has thought hey let's rerun 
I mean, maybe they are in the background. We don't know. Right. But it's like, hopefully they're like, we need to rerun this DNA because obviously it's been 23 fucking years. And it depends on the DNA sample. Like if it's. It was under her nails. So I don't know. But, oh, here's something that makes me think it might be like from scratching, though, because I, I did not mention this earlier, so I apologize. She had a mark on her face that looked like she got butted with a gun and there was like a struggle type of thing. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. So that's why my brain was like, oh, maybe she scratched them and it's like their skin or something. You know what I'm saying? It could be, right. could not be. We don't know. She was also being an extra. So it's like if she bumped into somebody and like scraped them, you know what I mean? Like stuff happens. So mm-hmm. we don't know what the full context of that is. And it, and it depends on the sample size. I think back to like making a murder, like when they were like using the DNA in the car mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, but we ended up destroying to run the test. We destroyed the sample. Yeah. So we can't run it again. So right. maybe the sample size is so small that they destroyed it when they ran it against Raymond. Yeah, it it definitely could be for sure. And if I'm a defense attorney, that's the first thing that I'm going to say is that I can't independently get that tested. Right. So if I can't independently get it tested, I'm going to get it thrown out of court. Exactly. So there's there's so many things that like really thinking about how a trial happens, like that's where talking with cops has helped me with this mm-hmm. because a lot of shit that like people are like why the fuck are they out? It's like because the evidence that they have, they may only get one shot to get this person. Right. You think about like look at Al Capone, right? Mm-hmm. He was the most notorious fucking gangster in like the 1930s, mm-hmm. 1920s, 1930s. Mm-hmm. People knew he was doing all this shit. What did right. they catch him for? Tax evasion. Yep. Why? Because it was an open and shut fucking case. Mm-hmm. The other shit is he's moving in the shadows and doing things. But fucking Al Capone not paying his taxes, that's pretty easy to be like, bitch, I didn't pay my taxes. Exactly. And we've su- we've seen that so many times in different cases, too, where it's like they find something small so they can hold them while they're, you know, tying up the loose ends for the more serious charge. We've we've right. seen, you know, we see that time and time again. And I think that's smart because then that kind of helps lower the likelihood of them being a flight risk. Or if you can't hold them for some like for something really minor. Mm hmm. And it's like, because then you have to think about it like that. Like, if it's too minor, that you then can what's catch the point? On. Right. And then you bring them in and they serve their time. They get out. Then they fucking dip. Yeah. You have the window that they're in. That they're in. And if it's so minor, they may not. And obviously, like, you're going to push for them to have a trial jury. Right. To get sentenced. Mm-hmm. And trial jurors are made of people. Right. Exactly. Right or fucking wrong about trial juries it comes down to which attorney tells a better story oh we saw this fucking play out with amber heard and johnny depp amber heard's lawyers were fucking stupid casey anthony's case casey anthony as much as i hate jose baez like he's a great storyteller Mm -hmm. he sweeps in with this big like he knows how to manipulate a crowd yeah Mm -hmm. right and then the fucking jury is like Again, it comes down to doubt. Like, you can't. Doubt is, you have to be like, no, they did it. You can't be like, I think they did it. Yep, for sure. And so because of that, like, a lot of crimes don't get prosecuted in this country because it depends on the person 
And it depends on where it is. If it's like small town America, mm-hmm. you might be able to railroad yourself. Right. Yeah. Something. But you might not. Yeah. It's horrible. It's horrible because she was just a baby. She was barely, she was 18. You know, mm-hmm. she was in college. She was doing the right thing. Like she had her whole life ahead of her. And for what? Obviously, whoever is responsible, because she they looked into everything. Like she had no enemies, no, you know, ex-boyfriends, no enemies, no nothing. No, right. This this was one of those crimes that literally was just senseless and random. And that breaks my heart because she was so young. And the fact that, you know, her memory still does not have justice all these years right. later. And it sucks. Yeah. The only good thing that's coming out of today's world is this whole, like, people are curious about their mm-hmm. ancestry and yeah. people are putting their da- their DNA into these databases. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it time and time again. Like, I did that a couple years ago. I did that story that, like, was like a 53-year-old case that got mm-hmm. solved because of a DNA test. Like, yeah. Like, honestly, if you're, n- if you're never going to commit a crime, figure it out so that if your family has committed a crime, you can get justice for their victims. Like, right? that's really... What it comes down to, like, somebody asked me that the other day. They're like, what if they use your DNA against you? I'm like, well, they're not going to use it against me because I don't plan on murdering anyone. <laughs> yeah. I have better impulse control. Like, if I get really sad, I'll go eat ice cream. Thank you. I won't murder <laughs> someone. Like, I'm self-destructive, not outwardly destructive. Yeah, choose ice cream, not murder. <laughs> yeah, choose ice cream, not murder. That's going to be in our next merch shirt. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but... Oh, my God. It's going to be a little ice cream cone with, like, a knife. Oh, God. But, you know, I I don't mind that my DNA is in a database. Because if one of my fucking family members has murdered someone, mm-hmm. I hope that they, like, call me up and go, hey, do you know this person? Be like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my blah, blah, blah. And be like, well, we think they killed someone. And be like, go get them. <laughs> Here's their info. Bye. Here's their info. Also, give me right as a podcaster to the story. <laughs> I keep making that joke. My friend Camille at work was like joking around. She was mm-hmm. standing in our kitchen, like the way my desk sits, you can see like our little break room. Mm-hmm. She was like holding a knife at me and she's like being funny. Like actually she was stabbing an avocado. <laughs> but I was like, are you going to stab me? She's like, yes. And I was like, well, you're going to have to kill me because otherwise I'm going to go on my podcast and tell the story about how you attempted murdered me and I'll control <laughs> the narrative. <laughs> and she's like, damn it. It was, it was like the perfect, like funny moment. And then like, Someone was walking down the hall. They were just like, the fuck are these girls talking about? It's like, "Mm, we're funny. I love that. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I really, I really hope that law enforcement can uh, get their stuff together with this one and she can receive justice one day for sure. It just bothers me so much. Mm -hmm. This was not what I expected when I sat down to watch this, but I am like, I'm reeling. Yeah. I was 100% Raymond did it. Dude, I was too. He snapped. He had a PTSD moment. Like, something happened. Like, I'm thinking yeah. this in my head. Right. And then you're like, but there's John Doe number one. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I, I don't know now. I know. I don't know. Well, it's interesting that you brought up about PTSD, too, because that could also, there could have been, he could have had some kind of something happening in his brain where that something triggered him. So that's why he didn't mm-hmm. try to give her CPR. Like, there's all, there's so many things that could be why he acted the way he did. There's right. so many different aspects to it, which I think makes it a lot more infuriating because you're just like, they they have no answers. And this is, I know for like us, 
2000 doesn't feel like that long ago, but 23 fucking years, like no family should have to go without any answers for that long, you know? For real. Yeah, no one should have to do that. Mm -mm. And on the flip side, I know obviously he got released and stuff, but like say 100% Raymond is innocent. Think of all the fucking trauma he went through with that too. Right. So it's just, it's, it's horrific all the way around. And then you have like the stigma of like him getting out and like people around him know that he was convicted of a murder and it was overturned Mm -hmm. because that shit doesn't change people's mind. Mm -mm. Like literally, like we've seen that happen in in lots of cases where someone has been like set free. They're like, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. happened, you know, and people are like, oh, I still don't believe that they weren't involved. Yeah. And that's kind of where her parents, that's where her dad is, for sure. Where he, 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 he thinks he's still involved? Yeah, he thinks Raymond, if he did not commit it himself, is somehow involved. And he thinks he should not have been released, so. Well, and he, like, not to play devil's advocate for Oh, no, dad. no, no. To- that's, yeah. that's basically what I've been doing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I know. But to play devil's advocate for her dad, like, you have to look at it from the perspective of if it's not him, then who the mm-hmm. fuck killed my baby? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Think of a fight you've had with a person and you just need to blame someone. Like, this yeah. is the ultimate fight. Like, my kid yeah. was taken from me. I need to blame someone. I've been blaming you for 11 years or now 23 years. Mm-hmm. I should be able to continue to blame until someone comes. That's human. Like, that's human. And I get it. If I, like, lost someone that close to me, I would be like, it's your fault. I'd have to have like video footage of Raymond running up after she's lying on the ground to change my mind. Yeah. It's just, there's so much hurt and trauma for so many different parties involved with this. Like, it's just not, it's just horrific all the way around. (sighs) And with today's technology, like even just like cameras and Mm -hmm. people having devices, Mm-hmm. One of the things that's that left the assembly floor in California mm-hmm. is to remove the reverse geofencing mm-hmm. so that like say a kid is kidnapped mm-hmm. they can do like a geofencing mm-hmm. like search of all yeah. devices that had connected mm-hmm. and I see it but like and the reason that they're trying to get it removed in California is because what they're finding out is that other people are coming into the state having an abortion and then leaving and then law enforcement in those states are doing a reverse geofencing on them. Mm. That's a that's not good. Mm-hmm. So, but like I think it's good in case of like a a murder. Well, sir, right. your phone was with you. Yeah, exactly. Especially today, like everybody always you always stop have to taking your you. like no take your phones to <laughs> please every murderer who listens please take your phone places <laughs> with you. Don't turn them off. Keep them turned on. Or you all know, day. don't commit murder. <laughs> okay please don't yes step one don't commit murder if you fail step one please leave your phone on please make a phone call please be stupid enough so you get caught and get what you deserve please facetime someone something (laughs) that we can be like this happened yeah but yeah so that is gonna go ahead and wrap us up for today with michelle's case As always, thank you guys for listening. We love you all so, so much. And we will see you back here on Thursday. Bye. Bye.